0: the book of Matthew. We're studying through the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 11. We're going to finish the last few verses in in Matthew, hopefully, this morning. So you can turn there in your Bibles if you care to, or we will have the verses up on the screen. Verse uh, 25 to 30 in Matthew chapter 11. Let's read those and then we'll Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we want to deal, first of all, with verses 25 and 26 that says, at at that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children yes father for this is what you were pleased to do why would he hide things from the wise and learned i mean why would that be god's way of doing things what does it mean to be childlike because he reveals them to little children And, of course, then the question becomes, well, how do I position myself before him so that I can receive from him the revelation that he wants to give? Why did he emphasize, and oftentimes, ah, I shouldn't say oftentimes, but there were those occasions where Jesus said, let the little children come to me because of such is the kingdom of heaven. And it's a childlike faith that we talk about Um, and in general, I, I think that we can say in general that God resists the proud. He resists pride, okay? He looks for humility. He looks for childlike faith, unquestioning dependence. Pride is what Satan was guilty of. Um, and we want to talk about that whole subject for a little bit this morning about pride and why it's such a dangerous thing um, Pride is foreign to God It's foreign to him I don't think he understands he, I'm sure he understands it But he doesn't know what it's like to be proud <laughs> Did you ever think about that? He doesn't know what it's he, he doesn't know what it's like to be proud Or to have pride The kind of pride that we talk about It's foreign to him and it has to do with the, the idea that pride, pride is one of those things where we think we know better than other people. or We know better, and because of that, it gives us a superior position. And God never wrestles with pride. And you might, you might be looking at me strangely thinking, is that really true? I mean, when I thought about it, okay, he, he, he isn't. But if anybody has a reason, from our human perspective, if anybody has a reason to be proud or to lift themselves up, it's God, right? I mean, he created everything. He's all powerful. He's, he knows everything. He's like, there's nobody like him. So ab, surely he would have some, somewhere this sense of, I'm right, you're wrong, that's the way it is, end of discussion. But God... See, pride is sin, and, and God has no concept personally or experience with pride. The only time that, that God experienced pride was when it was put on Jesus on the cross, and he died to pay for it. So let me just take this a step further. We know that God is love, okay? God is love. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, and instead of saying love is patient, love is kind, let's just put God's name, let's say God, okay? Just to see how that looks 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, God is patient, God is kind. Is that okay that I do that? I think it's okay. We're going to do it anyway. (laughs) God is patient, God is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast. He is not proud. I have to think about that one for a while. Really? Really? So there is a place, there is a place to grow in wisdom for us. There's a place for us to grow in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and character yet without pride. Because God is the perfect example of that, right? Okay? Because we're, we're wanting to become more, like. just read on. He does not dishonor others. God does not dishonor others. He is not (laughs) self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Sounds like him, doesn't it? God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. That works kind of cool, doesn't it? Pride is foreign to God. Why is it not foreign to us? (laughs) The problem with pride, one of the major problems with pride is that it is blinding. Now what Jesus just said was that he reveals the Father to those he chooses. And he's revealed the Father to children. And so I want to have that kind of childlike, childlike faith and I want to position myself in a place where I can allow for the, the revelation of what the Father's like. I need to know more what God is like, not just in my head, but in my heart. I mean, that's where the transformation really needs to take place. And so I want to position myself in a place where I can, I can gain that Pride is blinding. It blinds us. Pride causes us to not be able to see things spiritually. It causes things to get out of focus so that what we think we see we really can't. One of the most blinding kinds of pride is religious pride. (laughs) Religious pride. There's something about religious pride in that we, we, we need to really believe what we believe. We need to really put our faith in, in in God and trust the things that he's taught us. And so it's really hard to learn things in the Bible, learn about things in our relationship with God, and not hang on to it so tightly that I've got this and I'm I'm the one with the answer. But what I'm telling you, and what I think Jesus is teaching is that we need to always be teachable. Always be teachable. We always have to be willing to learn. If we get to the point where we think that we've got all knowledge, we understand or, or our way of thinking is the right way without question now then we're in danger of becoming getting to the place where we can't see truth when it comes to us. Or when God wants to reveal something new to us And the issue is, is this We are becoming like Jesus is, is there anyone here who walks perfectly like Jesus today? Or even this past week Did you, How about one day? Did you live one day perfectly like Jesus? And the answer is obvious, no Why is that? Because there are things in us that aren't conformed to the image of Christ But that's our goal And so obviously things in us need to change and so we need to hang on to truth, but we can't hang on to the things that we've learned. We can't hang on to our understanding of truth. We need to be able to allow God to teach us his truth and adapt what we believe to what he reveals to us or the things that he teaches us. Now, for some people, that might feel a little insecure, like you're on shifting sand. Is that, is that, kind of, is that true? I mean, does that make you feel kind of that way? Like, oh, I believing the right thing. No. Well, no. We have the fundamentals of the faith. We've got those down pretty well. God can bring new revelation, new understanding, maybe new nuances of ways of understanding things. But we need to come to the place where, where we are we're always teachable, always like children, always willing to learn, always willing to be Corrected. It doesn't mean that we go around thinking I'm a mess. I need to fix everything. But it's a childlike dependence on God that he's going to deal with us in his time, in his way to bring us to where we need to be. And I've said this many times. I believe that if there is a shortcut in the Christian life, it's humility. It's humility. It's being humble before God the quickest way. Pride obscures our vision to true revelation from God. John chapter nine verse forty and forty one says this: Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, "What are you? What are are we blind too?" And Jesus said, "If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains." They were convinced. The Pharisees and the religious leaders were sure that they knew and understood truth. They were convinced, absolutely. They had it down, slam dunk. They had it all figured out. And who this guy is? Jesus, we have no idea what he's about, but he's some off-the-wall crackpot that doesn't know what he's talking about, and how could God ever put up with such, we need to get rid of this guy. Do you see what spiritual pride will do? Spiritual pride will crucify the work of God in your life. So it's a really dangerous thing. A very dangerous thing. And if you're anything like me, you'll realize that the more, the more I learn, even the more I learn about Scripture, the more I learn about God, I, I find uh, there's so much more I don't know. And instead of getting fewer questions, I get more questions. <laughs> and it just seems to increase. But it's okay Because I don't have to have all the answers I just have to know the one who does And as long as I'm willing to be sensitive to him And listen to him and follow him He will lead me into truth And so it's possible for God not to, not to walk in Pride Then I can walk in that place of humility as well I remember a story, it's in one of the books that Rick Joyner wrote, when he had dreams and visions of heaven and he was in heaven with an angel and he saw this person come walking by and they had a coat on. They, had it, they were wearing this coat and it wasn't, it wasn't an ugly coat. It was just absolutely, utterly plain. Just plain. Do you know what I mean? Just like plain. And he's watching this person walk, and everybody in heaven was turning to watch him go. Like they were honoring that. And Rick asked the angel, So, what is that? What's that about? And he said, That's the coat that Jesus wore when he was on earth humility. Didn't look to make a name for himself, but he walked in humility. He was willing to accept humility and walked in that kind of humility. Not for recognition or anything like that, but just to be obedient to the Father's will. And so that's a real challenge, to walk in that kind of... We will talk about the flip side of this in a minute, so, so um, we'll get to there. So I, we need to ask our, ourselves questions, how teachable are we? Are we correctable? Is God able to correct us? Is he able to point to things in our lives and say, you know, you really, really need to... I'd like to deal with this in you. Are you ready to deal with this in your life? Sometimes God uses the most unusual people to teach us things. Are you able to accept correction from somebody who maybe not as spiritual as you are? Ouch. If that's who God chooses to use. Do you have the kind of relationship with God? See, there's something about that kind of walk of humility that allows an openness and a clear thinking and clear seeing that no matter how God chooses to teach you or speak to you, you get it. The Pharisees were so blind that when the fulfillment of many prophetic scriptures of the Old Testament, which they basically had memorized, they didn't recognize them. That's incredible spiritual blindness. Well, I don't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to fall into that trap. So I want to walk in a way that I am teachable, I am correctable, I am open to however God wants to speak to me. I'll even tell you this for those that were here last week. I just thought of this. (laughs) We talked about confession last week. And I said one of my issues is when I drive my car, it's other people the way they drive. And my reaction to them and so I got in the car Monday morning, and, and as soon as I got in the car and pulled out on the Buckeye Road, I said, Lord, I confess my anger when I drive. And I bless Buckeye Road, and I bless Brookside Road, and I bless Hamilton Boulevard with peace. And I've been doing that all week. And one time I got in my car, and I didn't confess. Okay, I got into the car, and I didn't confess that. I didn't say, Lord, I, I confess, I, I forgot. I'm driving, and somebody pulled out in front of me. And I went, Lord, I bless that person. I confess that I get angry. It was a reminder. See, it became, that quickly became a reminder to me to confess so that stronghold gets torn down. So it, it does work. It does work. If there's something that you have in your life, you need to get rid of. Anyway, that's, I just wanted to, to update you on uh, that little area of my life that uh, I'm working on. Okay, where was I? <sighs> I am not saying that education disqualifies us. It doesn't mean that because we get an education or that we have degrees um, that when Jesus said the wise and learned, it depends how you use the knowledge, how you use the education that you have and what kind of attitude you have with the education that you have. Jesus wasn't dissing education. He wasn't dissing bettering yourself that way or learning. He's not saying that learning is a bad thing. The problem is what learning can do to us and how it can change us and how it can affect our character. Um, Jesus also said, He said, No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. I know about George Washington. You know about George Washington? We've heard the stories, but I don't know George Washington. I've heard about Abraham Lincoln. I've heard about a lot of people from the past, but I don't know them. So Jesus isn't saying, I want you to learn about the Father. I want you to know the Father. The big difference. Big difference. So the relationship that we have with the Father through Jesus is one that has to do with an intimate kind of heart relationship that we know Him. We know Him. We're in relationship with Him. And it has an, an impact, an effect on our lives. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed this verse 25 and following Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So what Jesus is saying is that I'm revealing you, the Father, to the disciples, making him known. But then he adds this this last part. This is the challenging part. I will continue, I have made you known to them. He's told them about the Father. He's demonstrated the Father, but it's time for them to know the Father the way he does, okay? How do we do that? I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm praying for them, Father, that they will have the same love for me that you have for me. Do you think it's possible for you to love Jesus as much as the Father does? Do you ever think about that? How much does the Father love the Son? <laughs> That's kind of a ridiculous question, isn't it? How much do you think God the Father loves Jesus the Son? And do we, even, do we even put ourselves anywhere close to being in that category? Well, I know God loves me, but there's no way that he could ever love me as much as he loves Jesus, right? I mean, I know that up here that, okay, Jesus died on the cross. The Father loves the world so much that he gave his son. But honestly, you know, I know that God could never love me as much as he loves Jesus, Or even go as far to say that there's a possibility for me to have just as much love for Jesus that the Father has? Did you ever think about that? Do you want your life to change in your relationship with God? Then start asking the Father to give you the same love for Jesus that he has. Start asking him. Listen, I can't make myself love God more. I used to kind of complain to him. Do you ever complain to God? Don't, you don't have to answer that. I used to go to him and pray and say, God, I know I'm supposed to love you, but I don't. I know I don't love you the way that I should. I know that I love you in certain ways, but I'm not sure that I can say that there's this incredible love or passion that I have for you and i can and i can to a certain extent i can measure the capacity or the largeness of my love based on how i act right i mean when we're in love we act differently we act differently when we're in love we act we act yes we do when i met my wife before she was my wife just so you understand that i didn't meet her after she was my wife i met her before she was my wife we started dating and we started dating a lot i I just wanted to be with her all the time and I would do anything to be with her and I would do anything she wanted and I would do everything I could to please her. Do you remember those days, guys? It was Valentine's Day yesterday. (laughs) And it's that kind of focus, that emotional focus on someone. Well, how do we get... I know it's, it's a little different, but how do we get that kind of love for God? Well, we don't just generate it we don't just say well come i'm gonna do it and grit our teeth we ask him to give it to us if jesus prayed it for us then it's possible okay if it's in scripture then it's possible so we can begin to ask him i want that kind of love in me that you father have for jesus do you think that god wants to answer that prayer in a heartbeat or quicker would, is there any prayer that would please God more from one of his children to say, would you give me the same love for Jesus that you have? Oh, my goodness. He could hardly wait to answer that. And you see what happens when our heart becomes one with his and we have that, that love for him. Do you understand how that we become like our emotional focus? We become like the one that we gaze on. And the more we gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we become like him. And you know what happened? We don't have to fight pride. It just goes away. Because our love, the love just kind of overtakes it. Okay. What, what did the Father withhold from Jesus? Anything? Did he withhold anything from him? Uh don't think so I think whatever Jesus asked the father revealed to him and Jesus did whatever the father did and said the things that the father said so here's, here's two conclusions to this portion so we're looking at a purity of humility that gives clarity of vision to see what others don't see a purity of humility that gives a clarity of vision to see what others don't see and we also want an object of our affection that completely captures our hearts. Jesus is the object of our affection. Now here, I want to go on to the other side of humility for a minute, because I don't think it's fair to talk about humility and, and, and some of the traps that we fall into when we talk about humility, that, okay, I need to be nothing. I need to be like non-existent, I need to go hide in a corner somewhere. It's not the kind of humility that that we're talking about. We're talking about a humility that is teachable, trainable, able to be taught, to learn and grow throughout our whole lifetime. But there's a phrase that people like to use in the church, and I want, and I, you have to understand me if you're visiting, you have to understand me, I like to just challenge thinking from time to time, like at least once or twice a week. (laughs) Just because it's healthy. (laughs) But we often say, he must increase, I must decrease. You say that? Well, I want to know, is that a good thing to say? Here's the reason I say that. Would it have been a good thing for John the Baptist to say that at the beginning of his ministry? I mean, if John, John is, comes on the scene and the father says, okay, John, it's time, okay, he must increase, I must decrease. Well, John, you need to do your ministry. Well, I need to decrease. Does that, does that thinking become a curse? Why did John say he must increase? Because John did his ministry. He fulfilled his calling and purpose that God created him for. Special birth, right? Elizabeth was barren. Special birth, significant announcement, a miracle. Zechariah couldn't speak Because he questioned the angel All of a sudden he could speak When John was born And John grows up And he only Ate weird things <laughs> And he fulfilled his ministry He was to prepare the way for Jesus And it was time for his ministry To come to a close So Jesus' ministry could ascend and rise And he said now Now I must decrease, he must increase. Is that something that we should say? And I, and I just want you to think about that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I, there's two sides to this coin. If, if, that, if, we, if in saying that, we need, we need to become less. And Jesus needs to become everything. I, just think about it for a minute. If Jesus needs to become everything and I need to become nothing, then why did he create me in the first place? Or why did he create so many of us in the first place? Why are you here? Well, I know my purpose is to reflect and reveal his glory. And I am to represent Jesus on earth. But does that just mean that I'm a, a carcass that's animated by God? just Or... Am I or are you a unique, specially created individual by God made in a very specific way so that there is a particular aspect or character, characteristic that he wants to reveal through you and the world would not be the same without you, but it's a combination of you and Jesus together that brings that forth. What parent Parents Has a brand new baby come into the house They bring that baby home from the hospital And they lay it in the crib And they look down at the child And they go "Oh, We just We so want you to uh, Grow up to be Nothing Who says that? Who says that? Does anybody say that? That's not I mean that's not how we feel as parents Right? Do you think that's what God feels? There's a tendency to go to a place like humility means become a doormat or humility means I need to be hidden. I need to be like out of view. No. You know, God creates people to be up front, very public. Max Lucado. Let's look at Max Lucado. God created him to write stories that people go, wow, that's awesome. I like that. Well, what if he said, well, I write my stories, but I don't put them out there. I don't publish them. I just have them in a journal. That's what God created me to do. I write all these stories, but I just keep them by my my desk. You understand what I'm saying? Here's what happens. If we don't allow God to use us, and see, I'm not saying that we're, we're supposed to promote ourselves and just push, push, push to become anything. God opens doors for us, and he uses us wherever he wants. And so that's all part of the process of being in relationship with him. But there are a lot of folks, and I've seen it, where God has a calling on their lives, and because of some kind of false humility, they dishonor God by not doing what he's called them to do. And they just, their excuses, I'm just being humble. That's not humility. See, humility is strength under control. And our character is not most tested by our failure. Our character is most severely tested by our success. And so, when we come into relationship with God and we allow him to become our treasure, he is the one who begins to unpack the resources and the riches of everything that he has planted in us. I want to tell you that every human being has a lot more potential within them than they realize. Because God is an incredible incredible creator. And I don't and I incredible creator is not even big enough or powerful enough or wide enough to really express it. And so I don't want to be on either side of that whole issue of humility. We need to be teachable, but we we need to not go to a place where I'm no good or I'm dirt or I'm whatever. Because that's a false humility. It's not godly. Jesus did what God called him to do. He followed the Father's plan for his life. When he had to be in the religious leader's face he was in the religious leader's face wasn't he just pointing out what the father told him to say what the father told him to say he healed the sick he raised the dead he cast out devils he did try to get away from people he wasn't looking for a high position God never called him his first time on earth to become king of Israel did he? he knew that wasn't his mission even though some people wanted to make him that he knew that wasn't his calling so he didn't fall into that trap he knew where he was supposed to go so when's the last time you really looked at your life when's the last time when's the last time you asked god Lord, why did you create me? What am I here for? Is there anything in my life that I've left unpacked? You see, blindness, spiritual blindness can go either way. We can think too highly of ourselves and think that we've got all the answers and cause ourselves blindness. Or we can think that, well, I'm no good... Listen to the lie that the enemy spoke that Travis just talked about. And said, well, I can't do that. I used to be really, really, really good at saying that. I can't do that. I can't sing in front of people. I can't talk in front of people. I can't study the Bible enough to teach other people. Has nothing to do with me. has nothing to do with you other than the fact that God has created you and he knows how to unlock the potential that's in your life. But it comes out of relationship with him and it comes out of that love that he wants to reveal to you and reveal through you. So the question this morning is, is that okay with you? And would you go after it? Would you go after God in that way? I kind of like that. Um, it's very often as simple as asking him. Let's suppose that for the next six months you decided that every day you were going to ask the Father to give you the same love for Jesus that He has. Just every day, remember to ask Him for that. It doesn't take long, and see what kind of a difference it makes in your life. I have a feeling, make a big difference in your life. Because I believe it's an answer that God wants to give. And then the the last part of this chapter is the verses that we're probably most familiar with. You've probably heard the most sermons on these, and I'm not going to spend any time on them. I'm just going to read them. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light you see if you get the other part for you get the, the top verses right in that section the bottom is easy And you know how, how little striving there is in that you find striving in there anywhere there's no striving my yoke is easy and my burden is how hard is loving how hard is loving